0: You may remember I spoke on the subject of why God exists. And God exists to bring glory to himself, ultimately. The very thought of God existing to bring glory to himself flies in the face of mankind. As you all know that we live in a very self-centered culture. We live in a world that really is all about all about pleasing self. And uh, But that's not what God is all about. And at times we even mistakenly believe that God's greatest purpose is to win souls of man to himself. That's not his ultimate purpose although that is part of His purpose. But His ultimate purpose is to bring glory to Himself through the redemption, salvation, and sanctification of man. Glory to Him and Him alone. Amen? So before we get started this morning, we're going to take just a moment and, and once again look to God in prayer. And uh, we're going to talk just for a few moments this morning about the sovereignty of God in fulfilling His will. The Sovereignty of God and Fulfilling His Will. So let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your goodness to us, Lord. Thank you for your many blessings. May ask, God, that you would speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, that you might teach us from your word those things that you'd have for us to learn. And uh, just pray that uh, through it all, Lord, that we might draw close to you, become more like you as a result of being here this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm not sure where it went. <laughs> I'm sorry. There is a microphone floating around here somewhere. It has disappeared. Well, first of all, the first point I want to make this morning is this, is that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. If you have your Bibles this morning, and we're going to look at Psalm chapter 115, verse 3. Psalm 115, verse 3 is really a key verse when we think about this whole study of who God is, why He exists, the fact that He brings glory to Himself because He is a sovereign God. It's really a key verse that we have to think about often. Psalm 115, verse 3 says this, Our God is in heaven, and He does whatever He pleases. Now think about that. Once again, He says, Our God is in heaven, and He does whatever He pleases. This is the idea behind the word sovereign. God can and will do all that He pleases. He doesn't need permission. He's God. That settles it. Uh, He not only has the right, but He has the power to do whatever He pleases. Therefore, nothing He wills to do bring joy to Himself can be thwarted no matter what. Nothing he can, do, nothing he does, or nothing he plans can be thwarted against the plans that he has for himself. In fact, man tries to plan out his life. It's amazing. From the time that we're young children to the time that we grow up in our house, we start. As the older we get, to be, we begin to make plans. Well, this is what we're going to. Do we're going to get to high school and then we're going to choose a college and we're going to choose a career path and then we're going to get this kind of a job and we're going to get this kind of a car and this kind of a home and we're going to build our family and it seems like all of life surrounded by the idea that we have plans that are going to be fulfilled but none of us has the guarantee of those plans being fulfilled do we in fact, Proverbs 27 verse 1 it says, Boast not thyself tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. We are planning, because God says also let all things be done decently in order to plan, but none of us has a guarantee that tomorrow will come. Every morning across America, in fact, I haven't looked at it this morning, but I would venture to say that in this morning's newspaper there is an obituary section. And uh, one thing I've learned over the years is that death is no respect to our persons. There are old, there are young, there are those who are murdered, there are those who died of illness or cancers or sicknesses, there are those who were in freak accidents. But death takes a lot of people every day that didn't wake up and say, wow, I think this is a good day to die. See, it happens without our planning. None of us has the guarantee of tomorrow. So therefore, we rely on God. But listen to what it says in Psalm chapter 33, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 33, verse 10 and 11 says, The Lord frustrates the counsel of the nations. He thwarts the plans of the people. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart from generation to generation. What's He saying here? God says very clearly that what I will, what I plan, is exactly what's going to take place from generation to generation. Why? Because we get back to the primary foundation that God is sovereign. And he can do whatever He wants. He's a God man can plan but he says I can thwart the plans of man I can change the plans of man he orchestrates the plans of man and has the power over them to fulfill his own plans in other words what God says what I will for mankind is more important than what man wills for himself God says I'm in control of those things. And if God had no power over his creation, if God could not thwart the plans of man, that would imply that he's not sovereign, that he can't do everything that he wants to do. But we know that that is not true. Um, God is powerful and he has the ability to accomplish those things that would ultimately bring joy to himself. That's why he exists. The good news is that God is sovereign and his sovereignty is the basis of his own joy. We have to understand that. That goes completely opposite of what's ingrained within our minds in how we live in, the, in this culture. We're all about pleasing self. We're all about getting the things that we want, doing the things that we want, as often as we want, for as long as we want. That's what life is about for the most average American. And God says, no, that's there's something greater. And the greater something greater is that I would bring joy to myself. So we understand that first of all, God is sovereign. He's in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. He thwarts the man's, the plans of man according to Psalm 33. But secondly, God's sovereignty brings himself joy. In God's sovereignty, he brings himself joy. Take your Bibles and turn to Isaiah chapter 46. Isaiah chapter 46. Verses 10 and 11 says this, I declare the end from the beginning and from long ago what is not yet done. Wait a minute. God says He's declared from the beginning those things which have not yet happened? That's what it says. He says, I call a bird of prey from the east, a man for My purpose from a far country. Yes, I have spoken, so I will also bring it about. See, in other words, God says once again, I plan... The plan's of man. I'm in control of those things. So, my plan will take place, and I will do all my will, he says. And I will also bring it about. So whatever God minds to do, that he will do, and nothing can stop that. In fact, take your Bibles and turn to Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. I want to read verses thirty-four and thirty-five, and this is an incredibly powerful picture of who God is. It says, "But at the end of those days, I Nebuchadnezzar looked up to heaven, looked up to heaven, and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified Him who lives forever, for His dominion is in an everlasting dominion." And his kingdom is from generation to generation. Now get this. All the inhabitants of the earth are counted as nothing. And he does what he wants with the army of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. There is no one who can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? There is no one powerful enough to go against Almighty God. And there is no one who can even question what God intends to do according to his own purposes and his own will. Why? Because he's sovereign God. He can do whatever he wants. And that's exactly what he is going to do. And then also, God's sovereignty allows him to do whatever he pleases with mankind. In Job chapter 42, verse 2 says, I know that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. That's what Job says. You know, one might be prone to wonder, is it, 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 is it God's sovereignty as well that bad and seemingly uncontrolled things happen in this world? I mean, if God is so awesome, and if God is so powerful, and if He's so loving and so kind, is it also part of His plan that bad things happen? Yes. Over and over, that's clear in Scripture. And this brings us to consider something else. You know, God doesn't have any robots. We're going to answer that question in just a moment. But think about this. God does not have any robots. Do you realize that all across the world there are are millions upon millions of people who willingly give their allegiance to God every day? And God doesn't force them. He doesn't make robots. He hasn't computerized them and put a chip in them to say, you must do this, you must do this, you must do this. And when you think about that, Notice what Jeremiah says. In fact, turn your Bibles to Lamentations. Just a small little book before Ezekiel. Lamentations chapter 2. This is an amazing thing to consider. Verse 11, he says this. My eyes are worn out from weeping. I am churning within... My heart is poured out in grief because of the destruction of my dear people, because children and infants faint in the streets of the city. He looks around and he sees all the disaster. He sees God's judgment. He sees everything that has taken place and he is crying his eyes out, saying, look at all of this. In fact, go back to the beginning of the chapter, back to verse 1. And you begin to see the judgment that God is proclaiming here. He says, How the Lord has overshadowed daughter Zion with His anger. He has thrown down Israel's glory from heaven to earth. He has abandoned His footstool in the day of His anger. Without compassion, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. So, those bad things? Those things that only could be an act of nature, so to speak? Does God even orchestrate those? Yes. Without compassion, the Lord has swallowed up all the dwellings of Jacob. In His wrath, He demolished the fortified cities of Daughter of Judah. He brought them to the ground and defiled the kingdom of its leaders. He has cast off every horn of Israel in His burning anger, and withdrawn His right hand in the presence of the enemy. He has blazed against Jacob like a flaming fire that consumes everything. Over and over, He says, listen, my judgment is real. My judgment is, is a sure thing. And as they look around, they see the destruction. Verse seven says the Lord has rejected his altar, reputed his sanctuary, and he has handed out the walls of her places over the enemy. They have raised a shout in the house of the Lord as on the day as of appointed festival. And the Lord determined to destroy the wall of the daughter of Zion. He stretched out a measuring line and did not restrain himself in destroying. He made the ramparts and walls grieve together they waste away. Over and over God says, Listen, sin has a consequence. So am I standing up here saying that every bad thing is a result of sin? I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is this. God is a God of justice. He's a God of mercy. And He's a God of grace. But at the same time, He is a God who even at times plans destruction so that people turn their hearts to Him. What happened after uh, the tsunami came through in Asia? I mean, tens of thousands somewhere between 80 and 150,000 people. They're not even sure. I don't know if they ever did get a final count of all the people who died in that great tsunami. But what happened after that? People began to wake up and say, is there a God? Is there a God? Remember what happened after Hurricane Katrina? People began to say, wow, they had the wrath of God. People began to think, "Is is God real? After every major destruction or, or major incident that happens in America, people begin to wake up just momentarily and say, there's got to be a God. And it's amazing how these catastrophic things turn our focus off of what is normally, an, uh, what, what is a normal aspect of life, the daily living, the daily requirements, the daily to-do list, onto something greater than ourselves. But it's also amazing to notice how temporary that distraction is. Because as soon as the cleanup is over. We get back to the norm of life and we forget God again. Over and over. God is a God who allows judgment to come on the nations. And over and over, it sounds like you get down to verse 11 in chapter 2. It says, My, heart, my eyes are worn out from crying. I'm turning within. My heart is poured out in grief. It sounds like Jeremiah here is having a, little begin, you know, having a little personal pity party. But look, he says in Lamentation chapter 3. Chapter 1 says, I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of God's wrath. He has driven me away and forced me to walk in darkness instead of light. Yes, he repeatedly turns his hand against me all day long. But look what he comes to. Look at the conclusion down in verse 37. Who is there who speaks and it happens unless the Lord has ordained it? Do not both adversity and good come from the mouth of the Most High? Why should any living person complain, any man, because of the punishment for his sins? He knew all that happened was not only a result of God's anger, but a result of God's plans towards man. Over and over. It sounds like we could have a pity party like Jeremiah and say, wow, look what everything has taken place. Look at everything that's happened. And he turns around and realizes that it's not by accident. It's not just a coincidental thing that was coming to the life of mankind. It was God's plan. Why? Because He can once again, in His sovereignty, do whatever He wants. He is God. And I find out this in my own life. That God makes no mistakes. Amen? He doesn't make any mistakes. In fact, in Amos chapter 3, verse 6, I'll just read the verse... It says, if a ram's horn is blown in the city, aren't people afraid? If disaster occurs in a city, hasn't the Lord done it, Amos says? Hasn't the Lord done this? We have to realize and come to the conclusion that God is not only sovereign, but also that nothing happens outside of His knowledge or will. Everything that happens is for a purpose. Ultimately, that purpose is to bring glory to Himself. But God does not make mistakes. Amos is sure of that. Hasn't the Lord done it? I mean, because who else could do it? Nobody. I think of the example found in Job chapter two. In Job chapter two verse seven it says, uh, "So Satan left the Lord's presence and infected Job with terrible boils from the sole of his foot to the top of his head." God, um, do you know what you're doing? You're actually letting Satan inflict Job? But get the point here. Satan could do nothing outside of what? God's permission. Even Satan has to s- submit to God's authority and power. No, God allowed it. And in Job chapter 2, verse 10, it says, You speak, even his own wife... It says, curse God and die. I mean you're gonna you're gonna follow a God who would allow these things into your life, not only allow it but plan it to be a part of your life. Curse God and die. And Job two ten says, You speak as a foolish woman speaks, he told her. So do we accept only good from God and not adversity? And throughout all this, Job did not sin in what he said. Job understood something that God was sovereign and he can do whatever he wants. Nothing can change the will and mind of God. No one can change the mind and the will of God. God not only has the power to do whatever He pleases, but He has His own purposes and what He chooses to do. And the wrongdoing that Satan does can only be accomplished by God's permission. And in Proverbs chapter 21, verse 1, it says, A king's heart is like streams of water in the Lord's hands, and he directs it wherever he chooses. Even the politics of a nation? The king of a nation? Yep, it's in God's hands. God is in control of all things. It says He directs the heart of kings in His own, as if they're in His own hand. When I think about this, it's mind boggling to know that God is that powerful. He's that awesome. He's that mighty. So in conclusion, because God is sovereign, He has the purpose to bring Himself joy in all that He does, He can and will do all that He pleases. And nothing that happens is coincidental. Take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 135. Psalm 135. Psalm 135, verse 5, says this. The psalmist says, For I know that Yahweh is great. Our Lord is greater than all gods. Yahweh does whatever He pleases, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and in all the depths. He causes the clouds to rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain and brings the wind from His storehouses. He controls everything. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 33 says, the law is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Think about that. Every decision is from the Lord. Is he really in control of all these things? If he is, why don't I sense it? Why don't I see it? Maybe sometimes we're not looking. Maybe sometimes we're not Waiting for God to do certain things. We're not expecting Him to do certain things. And when our attention is not on Him to see when He is doing it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 29 says, Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them falls to the ground? Get this without your Father's consent. You say, well, He dropped it. No, no. God willed that. If it were to drop it, would be because God willed it to take place. So what does all this mean? If God is that powerful, if God is sovereign and He can do whatever He wants and He does, if God is is all about bringing Himself glory and He will, what does that mean for me? Our greatest lot in life is to allow God to be glorified by us glorifying Him in all that we say and do. The bottom line is we don't exist for our own pleasure. Revelation 4 makes it clear. It says, Thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure, or for thy will, they exist and are created. We're not here for ourselves. I know that goes against what life is all about for so many Americans, and people around the world for that matter. We make life about how it affects me, and how I can get what I want out of life. But really, in the big picture, none of that matters. It's all about Him and what He has done for us. Really. Well, no, it's all about Him being on the cross and glorifying Himself as we glorify Him. So think about that. He is here to bring glory to Himself. He's a sovereign God. I don't know about that, but when I see the power that God displays in creation, when I see the power that God displays in His justice and His judgment, when I see the power that God displays in bringing life to a, to a person who is without Christ, when I see all the power that God has, it should make us want to just say, God, I surrender. God, I surrender. You alone are worthy. You alone are powerful. Because it's not about me. It's not about you. It's all about Him. Amen? Amen. Dear only Father, Lord, we thank you.